You're listening to Temporary Circumstances, and I'm your host, Alina Sowers, a licensed professional counselor in Ohio. And I'm your co-host, Cora Mayfield, also a licensed professional counselor in the state of Ohio. In this podcast, we're going to share some ideas and things that we've learned that aren't too often talked about in mental health, including some taboo topics, if you will, like death and grief, trauma and PTSD, addictions, and others. We will cover some of the worst things imaginable that happen to people around us every single day and how we can help them get through those difficult times. The opinions on this show are ours only and do not reflect any agency that we work for. You're joining us for the second half of our conversation on domestic violence. If this is the first time you've listened to Temporary Circumstances, I'd recommend stopping here and going back so you can listen to the first half of the discussion. Otherwise, here's the rest of the conversation. So let's take a few moments and talk about children and the role that children play and how they are affected by domestic violence. So I think there's an obvious impact on children there. Um, As you can probably imagine, Children witnessing domestic violence can be traumatic. Um, That can develop into trauma or PTSD in children. You know, we sometimes work with children who have witnessed domestic violence. Sometimes children are also involved. And what I mean by that is uh, sometimes they also get hurt. Um, Occasionally, Other family members can be involved as well. Every once in a while, you see the child as the offender of domestic violence as well, where a child perhaps attacks their family member, such as a sibling or a parent. So that does happen occasionally, too. So what do you think about the impact on children, Cora, and and what are your thoughts about that? One of the things I think is significant is the long-term effects of domestic violence, whether that's directly being involved in the violence or witnessing violence, can have on kids. We do know that children who are witness or involved in domestic violence are more likely to be in a domestic violent relationship as adults. And one of the reasons I think this is, is because if your household is violent or coercive, that's the language that you speak. That's what you've understood love to be like. And so going into one of those, a new relationship as an adult, this is the language you're expecting. And whether you are perpetuating that by being a perpetrator or whether you are expecting to be the victim or the survivor of domestic violence, because this is what you know to life to be like. A lot of times domestic violence is normalized in a ger- generational way. Kids think that this is normal and this happens in every single family. So it becomes okay when they're adults for it to continue to happen. I think we need to talk about what it might be like to support somebody who is in a violent relationship. It's really hard to be an outside person looking into a relationship, knowing it's violent, knowing it's coercive, knowing it's manipulative and threatening, and not just grab this person up and hide them away and drag them kicking and screaming out of the relationship. It can be exhausting and difficult for support systems. And it's really important as that support person to be a positive person in their life. So what I mean by that is give them resources, give them phone numbers, help them create a safety plan, help them create Um, empowerment, ways that they feel like they have control and power of their own life, 
but we're never shaming them about staying in the relationship, never threatening to remove our friendship from their life if they stay in this relationship. Because those things, they're already shaming themselves enough. They have someone at home that's also shaming them. They don't need to hear it from their support system as well. They are placing the blame on themselves. We don't need to tell them these things and reinforce the negative self-talk. We just need to be supportive. I'm here for you whenever you need me. Tell me what I can do to help you. Those sorts of things. The other piece is if we decide that we're exhausted, and I get it, set your boundaries. Don't allow yourself to be taken for granted, taken advantage of. Don't allow yourself to be codependent on someone else's domestic violent relationship. However, if we threaten to remove our friendship, what you're actually doing is adding to the isolation of this person. So as long as you can be a part of their life in any way you possibly can, that is really helpful for somebody who is experiencing domestic violence. Yeah, I think um, I think all of those points are really important. Definitely just being a support, providing those resources if you're able to to the person is really important. And we understand that you may have serious safety concerns for this person. You know, unfortunately, at the end of the day, there is nothing that we can do to make someone else leave that situation. That's something they have to do on their own. All we can be is just be a support for them. If they do want to leave, which hopefully they do at some point, we can help them come up with some kind of plan to keep them safe. Um, and that's really important too. Um, and helping and, and just being there for them throughout that time as well. Um, I do want to point out really briefly, though, that if you are aware of a child who is a victim of domestic violence, then that is different. It's one thing to support an adult and help them in whatever their decisions might be. It's another thing if a child is being abused. If you are aware of a child who is being physically abused, then you can act. You have many resources, including calling the police, calling children's services, um, calling other family members, whatever you can do to make agencies and authorities aware of the situation. Remember, the kid does need to be protected. They don't have a choice in this matter. If you can be that advocate for them, then that is absolutely an appropriate thing to do. That's a really important distinction because as I say that there's not much we can do when it comes to talking someone into leaving an abusive partner, I am talking about adults in that situation. So yes, when it comes to children, if you think or you have any evidence that there's physical sexual abuse or neglect going on, please, please, please do something, something about that and call you know, your local children's services line or the police. While we're talking about leaving a domestic violent relationship or a relationship with intimate partner violence, it's very important to understand that this ends up being the most lethal time of these relationships. This is scary for everyone. The victim may have created a safety plan, a plan of how they're going to leave. And the more that they develop and the more they start to execute that plan, the more somebody who is perpetrating Domestic violence recognizes that they're losing control of the situation. And the more that they lose control, potentially the more violent they may become. 
and that leads to the lethality. So at the onset of, I've got a plan, now I'm going to start executing my plan, it starts to creep up and become more and more and more lethal. The day that they leave or as they are leaving is the most lethal time. And the few weeks after are also, that lethality stays pretty high. There are shelters specific for victims of domestic violence. I know we're here in Ohio, there are many resources for this where it's an undisclosed location. They won't disclose who's there. They won't tell anybody who they are and people can stay there. Um, Most of them are women and children. There are a few men's shelters like this, but people can stay there anonymously. They can seek counseling during this time. They can get resources set up where they can either be getting transportation, getting housing set up, getting jobs set up so that they can become independent again and learn how to be independent again. And I want to add too that, and I'm going to share the National Domestic Violence Hotline with you guys one more time, but with many of these hotlines, their staff are also equipped to deal with something that specific as helping the person come up with a safety plan. Um, So like I know that the National Human Trafficking Hotline does the same thing. If you call and you're in this situation and you want to get out, they will actually help you come up with a plan as well. And they can help you also find those safe houses and things like that. So again, that National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. And again, you can also chat with them on their website, which is www.thehotline.org. Okay, so as we get ready to wrap up for the day here today, I just wanted to take a couple more moments and talk about what healing from domestic violence or an intimate partner relationship might look like. So as we just discussed, safety plays a big role in that. Um, So I think, in my opinion, for the most part, That's when healing can truly begin is once the person is safe, once they're away from that relationship. Now, once they're away from that relationship, the way that I view this is it is often a trauma and PTSD situation. So that is what we're looking to treat here after someone's been in a domestic violence relationship. So there's several different treatments that we could use, um, cognitive behavioral therapy. EMDR for trauma, we've talked about that before. There's additional therapies such as dialectical behavior therapy and many more out there that can help treat that trauma and PTSD. For children, I think it is absolutely vital to get help as soon as possible. So if we know that a child was being abused or if a child did witness domestic violence, it's very, very important to get them services as soon as possible. What do you think? I think the safety planning on the acute part of this trauma is imperative. So when we talk about trauma, when a therapist or um, a counselor sees somebody within first 30 days of being out of the traumatic situation, we're calling that acute stress disorder rather than post-traumatic stress disorder. And we're, cre- we're treating it as if it is an acute problem, not necessarily a long-term problem yet. And in this, at this point, we're trying to do everything we can to minimize the long-term effects of the trauma. And I think the safety planning in that is absolutely imperative 
and that it is especially important for the survivor of domestic violence to participate in that safety planning because this is the beginning of empowerment. This is the beginning of that person taking control of their life and moving forward separate from this toxic relationship. And so that safety planning, anytime we can do safety planning, even if they're in the relationship still, if they're thinking of getting out as they're leaving the relationship, as much as we can safety plan while it's an acute issue is going to be a really great baseline, a great foundation to start with in healing and in the treatment of PTSD with domestic violence. Okay, I think this about wraps it up for the day. So again, help is available out there. So no matter what your role is in a situation such as this, please reach out. Thanks for listening to Temporary Circumstances. Leave us a review wherever you found us and comment on anything you want to hear more about or have questions on.